this is one of those services where the worship wasn't about hyping you all up for the preaching. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. As I've said many times, they did their job, and now I'm going to do my job. You don't have to worry about if somebody missed it or not. We've done what the Lord wanted so far. Amen. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Permit me just to be a dad for a moment and say one more time how wonderful it has been having Timothy home for the weekend. Amen. Praise God. Our household is not the same without him in a lot of ways and all of them good reasons. Amen. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. I see a few abundant life folks here. One of them that was an Antioch'er before an abundant lifer, so good to see you, Phil. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. Isn't it good to know, though, and I'm not contradicting what Paul said, but aren't you glad to know that we are not competing with each other? I'm not trying to beat you, and you're not trying to beat me. That's not what Paul is referencing here. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Now listen to what listen to what the apostle Paul says. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I not as one that beateth the air. But I, I, I I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Again, this, this, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself, should be a castaway. The Amplified says it this way, verse 26, Therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. But like a boxer, I buffet my body, handle it roughly, Discipline it by hardships and subdue it. Paul's saying, I'm I'm not waiting on God to do this. This is what I am doing to myself. And here's why. For fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit 
not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. And then the Living Bible says it this way, verse 26. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Like an athlete, I punish my body, treating it roughly, training it to do what it should, not what it wants to. Training it to do what it should, not what it wants to. Otherwise, I fear that after enlisting others for the race, I myself might be declared unfit and ordered to stand aside. I am afraid that after I have done everything I will do and have done to reach others, Paul says, I am afraid that after all of that, I may end up failing. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place tonight. I thank you for the atmosphere of praise and worship that we have experienced tonight. I pray, God, that as has been said already in this service, I'm asking you, God, that you would continue to renew and restore and revive a spirit of unhindered, unfettered worship in this congregation. Don't let us ever become reserved and dignified that we suppress the operation and work of your spirit. But God, I pray that we would continue to follow the example of David and worship you without reservation and limitation, God. God, I pray now that you would continue your work in this service and that you would do it by speaking to us. I pray, God, that you would speak to us tonight. God, all I can do is be the mouthpiece. I trust you that you would speak and minister in this service. I trust you for your anointing tonight. I depend on you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Anybody ever been to London? A couple of you. Those of you that have ever been, you ever ridden the underground? The underground is London's version of the subway. Here's my title for tonight. If you've ever ridden the London underground, you will see this sign. Many many times. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. The basic context of this sign in the London Underground and this term is the fact that when you're about to board a train, there is a gap. And if you don't mind the gap, you may step in the gap. If you don't mind the gap, if you don't pay attention to the gap, you may not step far enough. If the train is just sitting there and you don't mind the gap and you don't step far enough, then you may simply just trip a little bit and get back up and move on. But under other circumstances, if you don't mind the gap, if you don't pay attention to the gap, 
it could become very detrimental to your health. And so you are constantly reminded when you ride the London underground to mind the gap. Don't forget about the gap. Don't take the gap for granted. Don't forget the gap is there. Don't ignore the gap. When you get ready to get on the train, make sure you mind the gap. I have come tonight with what I hope and trust is once again what I've been told is my heart of a pastor to challenge the members of this congregation tonight to mind the gap. But here's the gap I ha- I've come tonight to challenge you to mind. And the gap that you need to mind is the gap between what it is you will be like the day Jesus calls your name and where you are right now. I want to get so close. I want to get so close. That there's no big change on the day that Jesus calls my name. You see, my, my burden tonight is the fact that some of us, we are living with a gap that we have come to accept. Because there are people in this place tonight that you are living with a gap between what you portray in this church service and what you live tomorrow. There's a gap between what you portray in a position of leadership versus what comes out of your mouth in your house. And I've come to challenge you tonight to mind the gap. There really shouldn't be much of a gap between our two worlds. In fact, there really shouldn't be two worlds. It should not be segregated into my spiritual life and my natural life. And I can come to church or I can go to young adults care group or I can go to campus ministry or I can show up at a P7 or come to Friday night youth or some other service or some other setting and I can put on and do what I'm supposed to do. But there really is a gap between what I do and who I am. There really shouldn't be a big gap between what you do and who you are. If there's a big gap between what you do and who you are, then there's probably a bit of hypocrisy going on in your life. I challenge you tonight to hear the cry, the prayer, the the, the call of the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul. I mean, there are people that if I were to hear them say these words, it's not that I wouldn't be moved by them, but I don't know that I would be as deeply challenged by them. But to hear the Apostle Paul say, I am concerned that after I have preached to others, after I have given myself to see others saved and ministered to by God, that I myself might become a castaway. That after doing all of that, I might actually end up being disqualified. Notice what he says. He didn't say... He he, he didn't say that like an athlete, I let the pastor punish my body. 
He didn't say, like an athlete, I let the apostle punish my... Like an athlete, I let the guest speaker punish my body. He said, I do it myself. I wonder if many times the reason God has to send men and women of God in our lives to buffet us is because we're not doing the job ourselves. That if I would decide, I'm not going to wait on some preacher to preach to me. I'm not going to wait on some man or woman of God to give me a word from God of caution and, 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 and tell me I need to change. But I am going to buffet myself. I, I am going to fight myself to bring myself under subjection not going to wait for the next time that brother McGurk calls a media fast for the youth and young adults I am going to decide I got too many voices speaking into my head I, I got too many things getting into my eyes I got too much stuff getting into my spirit and so I am going to put up some boundaries Solomon said guard your heart because out of it are the issues of life if the only guarding of your heart that is done is done by somebody else your heart is not being guarded enough there's probably many 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 examples that we could come up with from scripture and in some ways I feel like this is just the simple obvious one but I'll pick these two to demonstrate a difference between someone who mined the gap versus someone who did not mind the gap Two examples that I would use tonight would be the first two kings of Israel. Saul. Saul is an example of somebody that did not mind the gap. Saul is an example of somebody who allowed there to be more and more distance. You see, the problem is when the gap is small, it's a lot easier to get over. But the wider the gap gets, the more difficult it is to overcome. The wider the gap gets, the more dangerous it is. I saw a compilation the other day of some, I didn't know golf could be so dangerous, but I saw a compilation of some things and, uh, on a golf course and you know, people running over people they're playing with in a cart, which, I mean, like looked like on purpose, not an accident, and some carts tipping over. But one of the other ones was this, this guy went to jump across a creek, and he didn't mind the gap because it was a lot farther than he realized it was. And there he was in his nice golf clothes and made it about two or three feet short of the other side and went down. You, you see, if we're not careful, that gap gets farther and farther. And the problem is, especially for us guys, yeah, especially for us guys, we're always up for a challenge. And if we're not careful, we start to live with the challenge of how wide can the gap be and I still jump it every now and then to get some kind of a connection. I don't think it was the will of God for Saul to lose the throne, but Saul wouldn't mind the gap. And Saul got farther and farther away from respecting and responding to the voice of God through the man of God. To the point that God says, I'm done. 
You don't care about the gap. I'm going to put a permanent separation in the gap. David, on the other hand, I said it this morning. If you were to take Saul and list out Saul's mistakes and sins, and then you were to take David and list out David's mistakes and sins from a natural perspective, from a carnal perspective, from a human perspective, it would be easy to say that what David did was way worse than what Saul did. That David's sins and David's mistakes were much worse than Saul's mistakes. And yet God takes the kingdom from Saul and promises it to David forever. Why? Why? Because the prophet shows up one day to David's house and David didn't quite realize what he had allowed to go on. And the prophet points his finger in David's face after telling him this parable and says, You are the man. You are the one that's made this mistake. You are the one that's messed up. And read Psalms 51. Because Psalms 51 is David's reply. And I wasn't going to read it, but I'm going to read it. Listen, listen, this, this is what your response is when you're minding the gap. This is, this is how you react when you are minding the gap. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. I'm not arguing about them. I'm not debating them, God. I'm not excusing them. But I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Here it is, here it is, here it is. If somebody left tonight with just this next verse, with a grip on this next verse, this service would be completely worth it. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Let me tell you what the gap sounds like. Here's what the gap sounds like. Well, I, I messed up, but that's just what the preacher says. I messed up, but that's just the church's opinion. I messed up, but that's just what my parents say. That's who's not minding the gap. That's the response of those that don't mind the gap. The response of those that are minding the gap is, Oh God, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in, and in sin did my mother conceive me. This was not an excuse. He wasn't saying this because he was a victim. He wasn't saying this to try to get God to excuse what he'd done. He was acknowledging, God, I understand where I came from. I understand my nature. I understand what I'm capable of. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. 
Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Do you want to mind the gap? If you want to mind the gap, I challenge you every day of your life to make this your prayer. Not as vain repetition, but as the cry of your heart. Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. I know he didn't say it this way, but I think in essence that's what Paul was saying when he said, I I, I buffet my own body and I beat my own body because I want to make sure that I've got a clean heart and that I've got a right spirit. It's not, it's not how you start the race. It's not how you start the race. It's not how fast you start the race. It's not how quick you come off the line when the gun sounds that matters. What matters is you must finish. What matters is you got to finish. I'm four, I will be 48 years old in just a couple of months. In fact, less than a couple of months. In about six weeks, I will be 48 years old. I was born and raised in the church. I've been in this all my life. And I've seen people all my life that started strong. I've seen people all my life, Brother Middleton, that when the gun sounded, man, they came off the line in a blaze of glory. I mean, they got into full stride and they were blazing their way down the track. But Somewhere along the way, they stopped. Somewhere along the way, they quit running. I I, I made up my mind a long time ago, God. Somehow, I got to finish. Somehow, I've got to finish. Somehow, I've got to finish. I don't want to look back at the accomplishments, at the successes that I may have had in my past and that be enough. God, i got to finish. And I don't care how I finish. I have to finish. I may not come across the finish line in full stride with my head up and my chest out. I may I only make it across the finish line on my hands and on my knees. But by the help and the grace of God, I want to finish. Lord, Lord. I don't care what happens, I'm with you. Lord, I don't care what takes place, I'm, I'm with you, Lord. I'm ready to lay down my life. I'll lay my life down, Jesus, it doesn't matter. No, no, Peter. Peter, before the night is over, before the cock crows three times, Peter, you're going to deny me. No. 
No, not me, Lord. Not me. Never. Never me, Lord. I'll never do that. I'm with you. I'm sold out. I'm committed. I I started and I'm going to finish. A couple of hours later, they're in the garden. Judas shows up with a group of men to take Jesus away. And Peter is ready to keep his word. He grabs one of the swords of one of those soldiers and he's ready to fight. He doesn't care that he's outnumbered. He doesn't care that he's the only one to to defend Jesus with one sword. He doesn't care. The Bible tells us he goes and and he takes a swing and he cuts off the ear of one of those men's head. And, and, and you know this, but he wasn't trying to get his ear. He was going for that guy's head. And that guy just happened to duck at just the right way. So the blow from the sword simply caught the ear. And Jesus reaches down and picks up the ear. He tells Peter, put away the sword. And he puts the ear back on his head. You know why in that moment Peter was doing what he said he would do? Do you know why in that moment Peter was fighting even if it was going to cost him his life? Because he was minding the gap. There was no gap. There was no gap. He was right there with Jesus. There was no gap. But the problem is they go to take Jesus away. And when they go to take Jesus away... Here, Brother Spriggs, just, just, just slowly start walking across there, if you would, please. They, they go to take Jesus away. And when they go to take Jesus away, Peter follows. But the Scripture says he follows from afar. He now lets their be a gap. A few minutes before, there was no gap. He was side by side, and he was ready to defend and fight to the death. But now there's a gap. Oh, he's following, but he's following from afar. And they take Jesus, they take him before the, the, the judges, the rulers, thank you. And Peter follows. From a distance. Jesus is somewhere over there being accused, being judged, and Peter's standing outside by the fire, and somebody comes up and says, Hey, I recognize you. I know you. You're you're one of his followers. And the guy who just a few moments before had a sword in his head ready to lay his life down, if that's what it meant, now says, not me, I don't know him. A few minutes later, somebody else, I I think I've seen you with him. I think I've seen you follow him. No, you you didn't see me. I don't know what you're talking about. And finally, the third person says, you're you're one of his. Not only have I seen you, but your speech gives you away. The Bible says he swore. said, I don't know him. And at that moment, all of a sudden, he hears 
the sound of that bird and the fulfillment of the prophecy Jesus had given. Why? 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 Because he allowed there to be a gap. He allowed there to be greater distance. As long as he was right there beside Jesus, he truly was ready to lay his life down. But when he allows there to be distance between them, that's the point at which he denies that he doesn't know him. Paul says this to the church at Ephesus in verse chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. I beseech you, I beg you, Paul says, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. What he's saying is, I, I am begging you to live your life in a way that matches the calling you have. We, we sit here tonight and we have various callings on, my, on our lives. We, we have various roles and positions that God has placed each one of us in and different things that God has called us to. So whatever role that is for you tonight, my question is, are you walking worthy of the calling that is placed on your life? Before God, I'm about to make a point. There's not one single person that I have in mind right now, so I am not shooting at anyone. But you know what, brother, you over the past couple of years, you know, I, I've gotten either emails or somebody talked to me in person, you know, hey, brother Wright, I, I, I want to get involved in AML. want to do AML. I never quite had the guts to say it, but really what I need to have the guts to say is, you know what, why don't you start walking worthy of it before you start the process? You don't start walking worthy of the vocation once you get the vocation. You don't start living a life to match the calling after the calling. You start in advance demonstrating, God, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what all you're going to do in my future. I don't know where all you're going to use me, but I'm going to start right now. And I want to live a a life right now that it's not going to be some big change on the day that I finally realize exactly what my calling is. I don't want to have to suddenly change all kinds of things in my life. Because I now have a position or a place or a title. I want to get so close. I want to get so close. I want to get so close that there's no big change. Paul says it this way in Philippians 3 verse 14. I press. I press. I press. Are you pressing tonight? Are you pressing tonight? Are you pressing? Are you pressing? Is there something you're pressing for? Is there something you're striving for? Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if any... If anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. 
let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me. And I want you to listen to what Paul, you know, I tell you what, we, we get so intimidated lately. We get so afraid to take a stand for things or call things out. Listen to what Paul says. He says, mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. He's saying, distinguish those that are worthy of being followed. Recognize those. Point them out. You want to know how to do it? Watch them. You want to know how to act? Watch them. You want to know how to pray? Watch them. You want to know how to worship? Watch them. Paul said, mark them. Mark them. He he, he wasn't doing it in the negative way. (laughs) You want to know how not to behave? Watch them. You want to know what not to do? Watch them. No. Paul says, mark them, which walk so as you have us for an example, in sample. He's saying, those that are examples the way we are examples, mark them. And let everybody know, watch them. Look at them. Watch what they do. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We're not careful we can use that as a cop-out, especially as a parent. And every now and then I've had to say a couple of times, do as I say, not as I do. But that shouldn't be the, re- that shouldn't be the norm. That, that should be the moment of weakness. That should be the moment of, of struggle. That should not be the norm. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But I think part of the implication of what Paul was saying is, if by chance I stop following Christ, don't keep following me. Follow me as, or can I say it this way, follow me as long as I am following Christ. We need examples. We need people to look at. We, we need, the Paul says, for the, old, the elder women to teach the younger women. And, and we need men to be examples to the younger men. But I challenge every one of you, no matter what age you are, and whoever it is you've set up to be an example, while you may follow them as an example, make up your mind that you will only follow them as they follow Christ. And if at some point they decide to go off on a different direction, you're not going to let that shake your world and shake your faith and cause you to lose your trust in God. But something's going to rise up and say, I've been following you as long as you're following Christ. But if you decide to go a different direction, if for some reason you decide you're done following Christ, I'm going to be hurt. I'm probably going to be disappointed. I'm probably going to have to work through some stuff, but I'm going to make up my mind. I am going to continue to follow Christ. Amen. 1995, Angie and I spent a couple of months in Zambia on AIM working with the gross box. We got home from Zambia, 
if I recall correctly, it was almost immediately after we got home from Zambia. My dad set us down on the couch in his living room in Harwood. Son, I need to tell you something. The man who besides my dad had been my hero. The man who besides my dad was the one I wanted to preach like. The man that I had probably almost idolized in some ways. Son, I, I hate to tell you this, but he's, he's leaving his wife. He's leaving his church. He's turning in his ministerial license with the UPCI. Whew. It was a blow for a lot of reasons. Not only was it a blow because of, again, beside my dad, he was the man in my life. It was also a blow because I'd been around him a number of times and if anybody seemed committed, Brother Barr, he seemed committed. If anybody seemed to be dedicated to the truth and apostolic principles and, and the principles of the Word of God, this man was that. And so part of the struggle was also if this guy, if this guy can mess up, what hope do I have? If he can fall, what hope do I have? I chose to let it be interpreted in a different way. Rather than being hopeless because of that, I decided to let it motivate me. If he, after all of that, had struggled and erred and had mistakes, then I can't take this for granted. I can never reach the point where I just brush this off that, you know what, I got this. Walk with my Holy Ghost swag. I got it all together. But I need to go back continually, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit. I hate to say it, but just because they're an example now doesn't mean they will always Brother Wright, you're being judgmental. You're being critical. I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be. I'm just telling you the truth. Be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. I want you to listen to what this next verse says. I'm going to read it in the Living Bible just in case you missed the clarity of it. For many walk of whom I have told you often... And now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Living Bible, dear brothers, pattern your lives after mine. And notice who else lives up to my example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again now with tears in my eyes. There are many who walk along the Christian road who are really enemies of the cross of Christ. There are those who walk the Christian road 
who are the enemies of Christ. Their future is eternal loss, for their God is their appetite. They are proud of what they should be ashamed of, and all they think about is this life here on earth. Paul said, mark those that are an example. Recognize those that are an example. But I also want you to know that just because somebody raises their hands, just because somebody does some things that seem to be the Christian thing to do, just because somebody may dance a little bit, they may even talk in tongues a little bit, he says you got to be careful because there are those that are the enemy of Christ who walk the Christian road. found it to be a bit frustrating throughout my life. Why is it that when somebody backslides and walks away from God, why is it do we always end up questioning ourselves? Why is it that the door gets opened in our minds? Maybe maybe they're right. Maybe what they see is right. Maybe the revelation of freedom and liberty that they now have is right. Maybe we really don't have it right. Am I the only one that's ever battled that? Paul, I believe, is the one says they went out from us because they were not of us. Because if they had been of us, they would not have went out from us. Oh, Lord, I wasn't planning to go here, but I'm going here. I don't care who it is that you see on Facebook and what they're wearing and what position they used to have. I don't care if they sat on this platform for decades and now they live a completely different lifestyle. I beg you tonight, as the pastor of this congregation, you need to recognize they may have been a part of us. They may have walked that Christian road for some time. But if they go out from us, I'm not going to let that cause me to question us. I'm just going to recognize they may have been an example to follow at some point. But if they choose to go a different direction I am minding the gap in my own life it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. That means every day of my life, I should be striving to be like Jesus. To be like Him on earth I long. To be like Him all through life's journey from earth to glory I only ask to be like Him I've been told the last several years, especially I've been told a number of times, a number of places, man, you look more and more like your dad all the time. Yeah. Except in one way, my height, I haven't become more and more like him. (laughs) 
I got told I got told last Sunday morning in Baltimore. I've never been told this before, but I, man, you favor your mother more and more the older you get. You know what? I, I'm all right. Somebody tells me, man, you you look more and more like your dad. I said to them, I said, well, I, I've been told a number of times that I look more like him, but she said, well, you preach like him. She said, you look more like your mom. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I don't have a problem. Somebody, you know, you look, man, you look more like your dad. That, that's okay. It's all right. Here's what I want to hear. Brother Wright, man, the older you get, the more, the more you look like Jesus. Or, or perhaps what's more applicable to us, Brother Wright, the older you get, the more you act like Jesus. The older you get, the more resemblance I, I see and I feel between you and your father. One day, Jesus is going to call my name. As the days go by, I want to stay the same. I want to get so close. That on the day he calls my name, I don't have to take some run and start. Because there's such a gap that I've got to try to get up enough speed to be able to somehow get across that gap. I hope, I hope the day that Jesus calls my name. I hope the day Jesus calls my name, I can just simply do this. Yes. You, you called me. In fact, I'd like to be able to not even have to pick a foot up. I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd like to just be able just to slide it a little bit because I have watched and I have minded and I've made sure. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. Create in me a clean heart. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You are the potter and I am the clay. Mold me and make me after your will. And if in the process of making me, you recognize there is something wrong. If you see that this vessel is marred, then I pray that you would put me back into a lump. Put me back on the wheel and start the process all over again. get so close I want to get so close I don't want to get so close that there's no big change ultimately I want to get so close that there's no change I want to get so close 
want to get so close. There's no change. I don't want to have to suddenly guard my mouth. I don't want to have to suddenly guard my thoughts. I don't want to have to suddenly guard my actions. I want there to be no big change. I'm done. I'm done preaching. It's yours now to do whatever you want to do.